Clip City is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The Clippers have four home games this week, Monday against the Thunder, Wednesday against the Celtics, Friday against the Rockets, and Sunday against the Pelicans. To get in the door at the lowest price possible and the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to another episode of Clip City. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic, and I am pleased to be joined by my friend, Mo DeKeel. Did I say that right? You you did. You did. <laughs> this, is, this is a good sign of friendship as we're, 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 we're progressing forward. <laughs> Look, I, I have friends who can't say my name, uh, I, who can't say my last name, which I get if you've never said it before, but they can't even say my first name. I'm not going to call anybody out. Uh, there, there are people in the media who can't say it. So I, I get names. it. it it's I, the want, pli- <laughs> I, I want names, Jovan. I want names. It, it's the plight of the, the difficult name, uh, the non-American name. So you are a, a contributor for The Athletic, your podcaster for us, and a writer for Bleacher Report. So also a former scout or you know video scout. So I, I appreciate your insight. Um, this is our second podcast together on this podcast for The Athletic. So uh, appreciate your time. But let's dig into the juicy stuff, the good stuff. Paul George is looking like some version of like Tracy McGrady crossed with Reggie Miller, just scoring all these points in bunches. Uh, He had 37 points in 20 minutes last night, the first player in NBA history to do that uh, in the Clippers victory over the Atlanta Hawks, which they obliterated them 150 to 101. Uh, 150 points is the second most in Clippers history. The 49 point margin of victory was the most in Clippers history. Uh, Where, what do you see with Paul George right now? Because, you know, I saw I saw a few tweets that were like, you know, people are acting like Paul George came out of nowhere and like, you know, he's Paul George. Like, what do you expect? But this ease, this level of scoring from him is something we've never like I've never seen before from him. Um, and, you know, obviously Kawhi Leonard has been out these past couple of games, so they are running the entire offense really through him when he's out there. But, uh, you know, just his shot looks amazing. As Doc said uh, now a couple of times, like it looks like he's been running this offense for years, even though he's only played twice and had two practices. Like right. <laughs> what, what, what have you seen out of Paul and, and you know, what have you, I guess, comparing that to what you've seen from him in OKC and Indiana? Well, I think first, you know, just going straight to the comparison, like this is him with the offense in his hands completely. You know, when, when they're starting the game, he's really the only scoring option for that team. If, Lou Willer and, and Harrell are on the bench. So, you know, I look at it that way and it's just, we're, we're, we're seeing it, but what's been surprising and you've said, and everybody said it just how easy and how quickly he's able to score. Like, you know, he's, he's got rust and there's things he's got to work on and he's not playing all that well, but the ease in which he's scoring and, and flowing through within the offense is the most surprising thing. Like this is something you would expect to see, like, a little bit of rust. You would expect his rhythm and his flow within the game to be off just because it's been so long since he last played. And it's kind of just scary. Like you were liking him to Tracy McGrady. I'm like, man, he's like a freaking superhero. Like the yeah. way he just kind of walks in, you know, uh, what was it, 14 points in nine in his first nine minutes of the season in New yeah. Orleans. Um, what do you have last night? It was like 13 points in four minutes. Like it's almost yeah. like he's trying to outdo it. Like I'm excited for tomorrow. Is he going to have 12 points in two minutes? Like he's setting this bar <laughs> that now I have this expectation tomorrow. Yovan, like he needs to deliver that for me. 
Well, uh, Doc <laughs> joked that he, he's on, you know, he's on a minutes limit, so he's like, he's just trying to get his shots up before I take him out. So that that's maybe part of that. That's fair enough. But you know, the thing is too, though, I don't know how you felt, but like, I haven't felt like he's even forced shots. No, no. There, there's been a couple. There, 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 but but honestly, like with the way he's shooting, it's like, is that really forcing it? Like, I, I don't know. Right. If you're when you're on, you got to get those shots up. You know, I I think he's forced some passes. I think he's had some. It, you know, some areas there where he's tried to force it. But like for him, if he feels like he has a good shot, you know, you're going to let it fly. And, and you and I both know, because Doc says it in almost every pregame, uh, it's just below. He's a Chicago guy. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he <laughs> that's a little inside joke. Sorry, that's probably not great podcasting. But he says in every, you know, pre and post game, you know, he just wants his guys to feel comfortable shooting their shots. And that's, those are the shots that, that Paul's going to take. So even if he's going to, maybe to force a few like these are this is the guy you want shooting like on that floor and he's delivering so i mean you shoot if he forces a few shots i mean i dare a teammate to say anything so these these numbers aren't going to sustain but right now he's averaging 57.3 points for 36 minutes <laughs> which is just absurd uh he has an 80.9 true shooting percentage <laughs> which is also just like just it's, get it's like not laugh. even possible <laughs> like um now it's it's two games and it it did come against two bottom six defenses although uh I, i'm blanking on who tweeted this out so i i apologize I almost want to say it was Michael Gallagher, but I, I, again, I'm, I could be wrong on this. Um, the Hawks defense dropped from 18th to 25th last night <laughs> after giving up 150 points. So, like, the Hawks were, you know, a little bit under league average. Now they're the 25th uh, worst defense. But, like, I mean, just some of these numbers are, are just uh, absurd. Uh, again, like, they're not going to sustain. But I think what's been so crucial about this is with Kawhi Leonard out, and now it's not just a load management situation. You know, the doc admitted that Kawhi banged his knee in Houston. Uh, that, that is why he was kind of limping and, and struggling in that fourth quarter there. And, and now it's been uh, upgraded to a left knee contusion versus the, you know, left knee injury management that they had listed him out with uh, in New Orleans. Like, but I think the thing that is kind of surprised, I don't know if it surprised me. I, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but. It has surprised me a little bit to the extent that this team has really struggled without Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, it's pretty blatant that, like, yes, you take the best player off any team, like, they're going to be worse. But this team has really struggled with shot creation. And I think that's where Paul has come in and really helped. Like, he admitted after the first game his defense wasn't that good. It was a, it was better. You know, he had that block on, on Trey and then, the, you know, the right. off the backboard alley-oop to Trez. But, like, it's still like, you know, I, I tweeted out like Evan Turner cooked him and, and just just blew right. by him and got a layup on him. And, and Paul wasn't able to recover. So like you're still seeing he, he's still working out some of the kinks uh, defensively, but just his ability to create shots, high percentage shots, really good looks like I just think it's had a trickle down effect. And I thought it was really smart that Doc brought Lou and Trez off the bench uh, against Atlanta. I thought the fact that he started them against New Orleans just really depleted the bench really kind of messed with the rotations and the minutes. And this was a much more organic kind of lineup where it was almost, you know, it wasn't exactly the Kawhi lineups we've seen because Pat and Landry also were out. Right. But, you know, kind of going with Zoo, going with Rodney Magruder, going with Terrence Mann. Like, I, I just thought it, it kind of balanced the, the bench and the starting unit a little bit better. But for, for me, I think that the biggest takeaway so far is now I, I do think that the Clippers, who are one in three in games without Kawhi Leonard, have a shot now. You know, they, they can win these games though. We still have not seen them play a good team without Kawhi and Paul George. You know, New Orleans and Atlanta right now are, are two of the worst teams in the league. But, right. you know, we got to see them against a, a Dallas or a, you know, kind of a, a middle tier kind of team. But in the meantime, I think you can now be a little bit more encouraged if you're a Clippers fan freaking out about Kawhi missing games that as long as Paul's back, uh, this team is, is kind of going to be in any game they're playing because I, I think he's that good. Yeah, and he's and he's showing that. And I think you know it's like I understand the panic, and it, and it's fair to say like you know even if they have Paul back and they continue to struggle, like that's a genuine issue because the way the playoffs are going to be in the West, seeding is going to matter down the road, and games in November and December always come back to hurt you in April. So 
you know, I understand that. And now it's, it is a little more comforting knowing that you have PG out there and there's going to be some nights where PG is going to load manage. And when Kawhi gets, gets, gets healthy, he'll, he'll be playing and they'll kind of have that trade off, but it's nice to feel safer now a little bit with, with Paul out there to be able to, to get going. And you called it there, you know, the first two games, like as fun as this has been about superhero Paul, like, man, we're going to, we're going to find out what he's made of. Cause this is a tough schedule coming up here this week. You know, they got a bunch of good teams coming in that can really push them. And that's, and they're going to probably be playing some of those games without Kawhi. Um, so I think we'll, we'll start to see really kind of how that flows, but it also helps them because, you know, the playing games without Kawhi, but you have Paul out there, at least it lets you kind of build that up during games, you know, when Kawhi goes to the bench, you know, you kind of have, you can put this pairing out there together and these guys have minutes together and they're, they're able to play comfortably and able to roll. So, you know, they, it's early. So I don't think anybody needs to panic about the one and three. I think that's going to change and, and even out and eventually kind of turn into, they'll be fine, but uh, you got to just kind of watch it and keep an eye on it for the time being. And and we're going to get a good look at it this week. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is is what's kind of started to happen in the West is I felt like heading into the season there were six near playoff locks. Um, you know, you had the the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, uh, the Blazers, <laughs> and the Rockets. I, I thought those were kind of the six teams that you could kind of safely pencil them in as, as playoff teams. You know, I, I've never been too high on the Blazers. So they were kind of my fringe team of like, maybe they, they drop, but I was still like, they seem to be, they always figure it out in the regular season that they, they always have right. like a second half rally. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of predict, all right, I think though they were going to be a six to eight seed, but that's still in the playoffs. So I, I was like, those are the six teams I'm, I'm confident in. I also really like Dallas, but like, I, I wasn't, you know, comfortable putting them in that group. And then we didn't know what was going to happen to the Warriors and what other teams were going to emerge. But I think at this point, it's almost become a top five where, you know, you, you've taken the Blazers out of that group with with their early season struggles. And those other five, I feel like have kind of separated themselves from the, the rest of the West. And the Clippers are in that group. You know, right now they're uh, at the bottom of that group. But as long as you kind of like, I almost just wonder if the the kind of six to eight range in the West is going to be a little bit lower than we anti- uh, initially anticipated. And maybe, you know, that six seed is like a 47, 48 win team right. instead of being like a 51 or 52 uh, win team like it has been some years in the past. So maybe that threshold is a little bit lower. The Clippers can't afford to load manage Kawhi a little bit, even if it affects their record. And I mean, I, I don't see any way this team doesn't get at least 50 wins. So that to me puts me in the very worst case scenario as like a six seed, but probably even a, a four or five seed. Right. So it puts, it puts you a little bit in a, it, I, I think it even puts you in the top four. Yeah. It, it, so you know, I think we're going to have a lot of the Western conference sort of beating up on each other. So uh, I don't know how much separation we'll get from teams. So I, but I, I'm with you on the Clippers should be able to win 50 games, you know, and yeah. then some. And that, so if you look at it through that prism, like, yes, of course, you want home court advantage. You don't want to have to win two or three series on the road. But I think, you know, my my concern level with the rest of the West has kind of decreased. I do think at this point, uh, to me, it, it does kind of look like the two L.A. teams are on a different tier. Uh, you know, the, the Clippers right now are you know, seven and two when Kawhi plays. Uh, they, they're obviously, like I said, one and three when he doesn't. But you know, the numbers with Kawhi on the court have been ridiculous. Uh, right. You know, they've, you know, league best offense, league best defense. Like, you know, he's not going to play 48 minutes, but he has had a insane impact on this team. And, you know, almost any lineup combination, like some of the five-man lineups you see with Kawhi, you wouldn't expect those lineups to be as good as they are, including the starting lineup where, you know, they were starting Pat, who's not shot the ball well, Landry, who's not shot the ball well, uh, Zubats and, and, and Pat Patterson, who have been the third and fourth, you know, probably best bigs throughout the season. Like you would not expect that to be such a heavy plus lineup. And, and it has been largely because of Kawhi. Yeah. So I, I think as long as this team, you know, it can stay healthy. And, you know, we, we talked about this last time where people are going to panic. People are going to freak out. You know, they're going to drop some games and there's going to be, you know, people are talking about it on first take and, and different shows of, you know, the load management, Kawhi, this and that, like they're going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. And as long as they don't get matched up, I think with the Lakers in one of the first two rounds, they're making the conference finals, in my opinion. 
And if they, when they play the Lakers, we'll, we'll see where both teams are at. We'll see if one of them added Andre Gudala or made a, a mid-season move. But um, I, I'm fairly confident that, you know, with the way the season has started, the Clippers look like as long as they can stay healthy, I think they're making at least the conference finals. And, and you know, I think they've been that good. Yeah. And, you know, th- some of the stuff you kind of touched on just they're seven and two with Kawhi and that's without Paul George, you know, yeah. like it gets, it gets different. That's with a difficult schedule. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it gets different when you add Paul George in there. I mean, it, it gets easier for Kawhi, you know, in terms of space, you know, it's, it's another guy like, look, man, he was what, like third in MVP voting last year. And I defensive mean, player of the year. Yeah. I mean, we're, in, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're in all this stuff like this is, you know, you have all these things. It's just, it makes things easier for Kawhi even and to the point like he doesn't even have to exert himself as much as he has to. He has doesn't he may not have to spearhead the comeback against the Blazers in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, and doing all those things. So I think you're you're finding that we're we're gonna start to see what's you know, once these guys do get on the court together, we're gonna see it go like looking around going like this is the team they've been thinking of and then bringing Trez and and Lou Williams off the bench and eventually, you know, Shamit when he comes back from his ankle injury, like he's not going to be shooting at this poor of a rate. He's in a no, slump. No, That's yeah. just normal. That happens. You know, Patrick Beverly, he might be shooting at this rate. That's possible. Um, you know, Patrick Patterson's going to be up and down. Like that's just the way well, it goes. Well, he, he's out of the rotation now. He, he, you know, he, he's, so he hasn't started the last couple of games. Uh, I think I, I should know this, but I, I don't even know if he played last game. Uh, I, I don't, I don't remember seeing him, but I think also they're getting good play right now early out of, um, Obviously, my favorite player, Mo Harkless. <laughs> I mean, it takes everything I have to resist t- t- retweeting anytime somebody goes, "Oh, Mo Harkless with a right, right, uh, nice play," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you always trust a Mo. That's, this is what we do." <laughs> um, I need him to drop the E. If you can make that happen, Jovan, that'd be great. Okay, so he I'll, can just I'll be ask a, him. Just All right, so, so Patterson played eight minutes last night. So he's played fifteen. But that had to minute. been garbage minutes. Like that. Yeah, those, those were garbage minutes. He's played fifteen minutes over his last three games. He's come off the bench in two of them and the Houston game. He was benched in the second half. So I, I think I had heard this. Uh, we had discussed this last time we, we spoke a couple weeks ago where I think eventually they were going to kind of phase him out of the lineup. It seems like once Paul came back, that that was going to be the case. And now it looks like Mo Harkless is going to be that starting four. They'll probably go with Zubots, Harkless, Kawhi, PG and Pat. What uh, once Pat's back. So, you know, Pat, Patterson, uh, he had his opportunity. Uh, I think he he he, you know, he had a couple really good shooting games. Uh, I think defensively he was a bit underrated, um, and, and you know did some things that you know maybe we didn't talk about enough. But overall, I, I think clearly, like you said, Mo Harkless, you know he, he's only been playing better throughout the season. Jermichael Green's gone cold a little bit uh, the, the past couple of games, but I think just what he brings from an intensity standpoint and effort standpoint. Uh, his defensive versatility. Uh, I think he's clearly someone who should be playing. So I got to give my credit to Doc because I, I've been critical of the Pat Patterson minutes. I I understood it in theory with with loading up the bench, but he just to me looked like someone who shouldn't probably be playing, and that that's kind of how he looked in OKC last year too. Uh, so I, I think moving forward, it looks like he's going to have a, a minimized role, and I you know I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I, I was wondering if this was going to be Avery Bradley 2.0 from last season and Doc, Doc's benched him and, you know, isn't really playing him. So um, if, if Doc is listening, which I doubt he is, uh, I will give you your props for that. Well, if he is, though, hi, Doc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and another guy, too, who I tweeted this out, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. You know, Rodney Magruder has been great, yeah. and that's really – really something to sign like good front offices do you know there was an opportunity last year you know he gets waived by Miami they picked him up they picked him up on waivers right yeah yeah so they picked him up on waivers knowing he wasn't going to play for them this that during that playoff run and that he was just going to be a piece that they were going to they're planning on having for the next season and he's paid dividends like he's been good out there you know he had some really good defensive minutes against Trey Trey Young yesterday and and I think this is the stuff we're seeing. And this is the kind of depth that we talk about when we're talking about this team. You know, you look at these guys, you know, obviously Magruder, Mo Harkless, you know, these, these are pieces. Jermichael Green's probably going to shoot better at some point, you know, and get 
get his rhythm and it, and you know what, and he's going to be up and down, but that's fine. You know, and that's normal, but you have these guys you can kind of turn to Well, one guy's not going like, yo, we need you to get going. And that's on top of Kawhi, hopefully a healthy Kawhi, PG, Trez and, and, and Lou, you know, and, and, and that whole, that whole crew, Shaman and that whole system, you're looking pretty solid. I mean, even then, I mean, Terrence Mann had some good minutes last night. Yeah. So, you Jerome know, Robinson too. Jerome who, Robinson, who like struggled, you, you know, he struggled at times before, but I, I thought last night was the best game of his career. Yeah. And you know, that's hopefully something he could build on. And it's just continuing to build out that depth so that, you know, in times you can kind of rest some of these guys in games and say, Hey man, we're going to, you know, we, Kawhi can't be guarding this guy or we don't want Beverly on this guy too long. You know, you, you know, Rodney get in here and take, Trey Young for a couple minutes to give, you know, Bev a breather and things like that. Like that's all important pieces that come into that rotation. And then the thing about rotations, you know, they're always an evolving thing. You know, this guy's out, this guy's in, this guy can only go this many minutes or this, you know, or this guy's in a slump. We need to wait, you know, try to help him through it. We can't, but we can't give him a ton of minutes right now. So, you know, it, it goes back and forth with a bunch of these guys. And usually you have something set, you know, mid-season but it's going to take a while and I think we're just Doc's kind of looking to see what he has in some of these guys I mean this is almost a whole new team for him yeah well I, I think something that you can speak to with your San Antonio experience is you know with what the Spurs kind of did with you know their own version of, of load management and Doc I mean uh, Pop always tinkering with the lineups and you know sometimes he'd start you know, one big man next to, to Tim Duncan and, and other times he'd start another one and, you know, um, you know, just go, like he, you know, sometimes he'd go with like a traditional big and then he'd go with like a Matt Bonner and, um, you know, kind of, you know, bringing Manu off the bench and, and just rotating different things. Um, you know, I felt like that, that kind of gave the Spurs experience that they needed where if for whatever reason, someone was having an off night or they were in foul trouble, they could rely on their bench guys and, and role players to step up in, into situations that they had actually been prepared for because they had gotten those reps in the regular season. And you go back to that, that game where, you know, you know, they're infamously fined uh, for not having the big three make the trip to Miami. You know, they almost won that game. Right. And, the, you know, th- though that type of situation uh, isn't something you can replicate in practice. It isn't something you could replicate and shoot around like, you know, playing another NBA team shorthanded and kind of learning how you're going to play without your stars. So that's where, um, you know, I thought that the Clippers have, you know, going back to the, the Kawhi-less games, like they've shown some progress where, the, you know, their first game was in Utah. They got their asses kicked. Right. Uh, they could not score. I, I think I forgot the final score, but I don't even think they scored 90 points in that game. And it, it was just really bad. Uh, their defense was actually okay, but but offensively it was just a train wreck. Then you know the next game they play Milwaukee and, and they lose by five at home, but that's two you know a fully healthy Milwaukee team. Giannis is rolling, and you're still in that game and you barely lose. And then you know they, they lost the game in New Orleans, which I think was a little less um, you know. Uh, that that just that, wasn't okay. Like that it, game, but you know, but that game that was you, a weird game. But you could Paul was making his return, he, and yeah, you have a weird, you have a lot of weird stuff going on in that game. That like, I, I listen, you shouldn't lose to New Orleans, right? But like at the same time, it's like, yeah, that was kind of a weird, weird night for us. So Pat, Pat and Landry were also out, but I, mean, I guess my more issue with it was like, okay, but like, look at what who New, like New Orleans is playing without Zion. They're playing without Brandon Ingram. They're playing without Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Like these are key pieces for this team that even one healthy has been kind of bad. So I'm like, you probably shouldn't, that wasn't as excusable of a loss, but like you said, you know, Paul's return, he was on a minutes limit. They were shorthanded. So even that was like, you know, a bit, you know, you just write that one off. And then they just destroyed the Hawks and, and boosted their point differential right. uh, last night. But I think you've seen some progress from them on both ends. And that's really the the thing that could make them, you know, even better come playoff time or, or just kind of once they're fully healthy is that I think these guys are getting reps now. And you look at the 10-man rotation, I think it's as good as I thought it was going to be, if not better. Like you at center, Zoo and Trez. At the four, Mo and, and Jamichael at the three. Uh, it'll probably be Paul George with, with Rodney Magruder as the backup three, or I mean Kawhi with, with Rodney at the two. Paul George and Landry Shamit 
And then at the one, Pat Beverly and Lou Williams. Like right. that is as good of a ten man rotation as there is in the league, if not clearly the best. I mean, you know, so I and then your eleventh, twelfth, and thirteen guys are Jerome Robinson, who has looked you know a bit better this season. Terrence Mann, who killed it in preseason and um, I, I think deserves some more minutes. And then Patrick Patterson, who like has been starting for you a bit, you know, had a couple nice games. And if he's your thirteenth man, you know, you could do worse than that as as your thirteenth man. So. I just think, you know, the the way the depth is looking, uh, you know, the way they haven't put it together every game. And that's kind of been a bit of an issue for this team is, you know, one night they'll look really good offensively. One night they'll look really bad offensively and, and vice versa with the defense. But overall, I, I think things are trending in a positive direction where you're seeing the role players step up. You're seeing them have, um, you know, nice offensive performances, uh, nice defensive performances. And it's just like, Overall, you're seeing once this team is fully healthy, once they're fully formed, I think they're going to be scary. Yeah, and and I want to go back a little bit to your, when you brought up pop resting guys and and things like that. It also allows the coaches to understand who he could depend on, you know, and and not just it's not just important for the role players to get the reps. That's a good that, point. That also allows you know Doc playing these guys now means like hey if we're in a bind in the playoffs or whatever, and I got to buy five minutes, you know, I can call on Terrence, you know, I know what he can bring, you know, there's, it's almost an evaluation kind of thing that allows, you know, the coach to kind of have that understanding. Cause you know, the hardest thing about rotations or, or understanding coaches rotations is what we, what people don't get is it's really based on trust. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the coach has got to trust you to, put you in games and yeah. you know, the regular season's that time to, to figure that out because you said it and we, we've all known it. You can't replicate a game in practice in shoot around and the Clippers don't practice that much. And when they do, it's not <laughs> that hard. Like it's just, and I understand no, no, it. I, no, you're right. <laughs> I understand it. And it just makes sense, but you know, it's, it's those things. So you can't really replicate these things. You got to learn it on the fly in the game. And for doc, he's got to learn, you know, how many minutes can he go? How many minutes can Terrence Mann go consecutively? And I feel comfortable with it, you know, and, and, and it goes all the way up and down that lineup. He knows Lou. He knows Trez. He knows what he's going to get from them. He's got it. He's still learning Kawhi. He says it all the time. He's still learning Paul. I mean, let's be honest. Kawhi is not easy to read to begin with. I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, so it's I mean, I, I bet Doc's going to still be trying to figure out Kawhi at the end of the season, no matter how long it goes. Um I think this, these are the important things and knowing your bench is, is key, but you don't know that till these guys get in game. So Patrick Patterson's a great example. Started, Doc saw what he can do when he's going well, but Doc saw what it looks like when it's not going well. And he's like, yo, I can't risk this right now. Um, and so on and so forth. So with Rodney, with Mo, with, I mean, Mo should always play. Mo's always play. Um, oh, yeah, more Mo. <laughs> more Mo. That's it. Um, but all these guys, you know, you kind of get that understanding. And I think that's an important thing we never talk about with load management is what it allows the coach to do in terms of understanding the rest of his roster and who he could trust in those situations. Because there's going to be a game where Kawhi is going to be in foul trouble or Paul George or Beverly. I mean, shoot, it feels like Beverly's in foul trouble, <laughs> you know, even not playing in the first three minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like he needs to know who he can go to in those pinches because Maybe he doesn't want to bring Lou in right away and screw up Lou's flow, who's used to coming in, you know, later in the first quarter. So, you know, can I steal two minutes by, you know, bringing in Terrence or or bringing in Robinson? Like, it's a whole different. It's that it's that kind of stuff. It's almost like downloading information when you're doing when you're playing these guys. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I have an interesting question for you. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys, to every retro Jordan, to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all of the risk from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest to find kicks without having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. Want to get in on the hype? Check out stockx.com slash bball, B 
B-B-A-L-L for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's stockx.com slash bball. Check it out today. All right, Mo, I want you to put on your video and scouting hat right now. If, if it's not already on throughout this podcast, uh, there's an official hat, right? It that, never, that's how it, it works. It, 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 it is. And it never actually comes off. I actually okay. sleep in it. It's the whole day. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think th- this is something we we did touch on last time we spoke. And I think it's, it's evolving. It's something that we're going to have to monitor throughout the season. Uh, but the Clippers have an interesting issue right now, in my opinion, uh, w- with the sort of rotation and, and the makeup of the team where Montrez Harrell and Evita Zubats, I think both need to play, but they both kind of bring their own strengths and weaknesses that contrast a little bit. And I think, you know, Trez has gotten mo- the majority of the minutes. I think right now he's averaging a little over uh, 31 minutes a night. And he's had these crazy stretches where he plays the final, like Doc will take Zoo out midway through the third, you know, six, five minute mark, right. whatever. And he'll play Trez the rest of the game. So Trez is playing, you know, the final 16 to 18 minutes of games and, you know, the rest of the third and the entire fourth, uh, you know, barring him getting in foul trouble or, you know, sometimes Doc has given him like a one or two minute breather with Zoo. But for the most part, Trez is playing these like insane second half minutes um, and has been putting up some insane minute totals where, you know, there's been multiple games. He's been in the mid to high 30s. And, you know, I think part of that is because the Clippers have been missing Paul and because Kawhi is load managed, they've just really needed offense. And, you know, outside of Lou, who's also had his own, you know, crazy minutes workload, Trez is obviously the second best scorer on the team. And they have their pick and roll chemistry. So Doc has really mirrored their minutes together. Like Trez is almost handcuffed to Lou, where you, you know, he tries to keep those two on the floor together at the same time. And you've seen that with some of the starting lineup choices where right. when Lou has started, uh, it, you know, when Kawhi's out, he, he'll often start Trez instead of Zoo. But the flip side of that is the defensive numbers are so much better with the Vita Zubats on the court. He is, you know, a good four or five inches bigger than Trez, uh, but the rim protection numbers, the defensive rebounding numbers, um, and it's just kind of this weird thing where, I like, if you look at their weaknesses, I would actually almost kind of say, I think Zoo is a better offensive player than Trez is a defensive player. Um, you know, I, but you could make the, the, you know, the kind of the counter argument that Trez's offense is, is even more important than Zoo's defense, potentially. Like, right. I, I don't know how you kind of weigh that, um, especially to a short, hand, uh, you know, handed team at times where, you know, Paul's out or Kawhi's out or whatever. But I think Doc can do a better job balancing it where, you know, th- there's been some games recently where Zoo's playing seven minutes, 10 minutes, 11 minutes. And, you know, sometimes he's in foul trouble. So that's a part of it. Uh, and, you know, they just played two really fast-paced teams in Houston and New Orleans. So that that was also a part of it. But Derek Favors just put up 20 and 20 on Trez. You know, that was yeah, largely that's... against Trez. The The Pelicans had 19 rebound, uh, offensive rebounds in that game. And that, to me, was one of the deciding factors in that game was Trez just was too small to deal with Derek Favors, of all people. And he just got his ass kicked. And I think this is something that we're going to have to kind of monitor moving forward where – You know, just like I think there's going to be situations, which we've already seen so far, where Doc does offense defense with like Lou and Pat. Uh, I think you might have to do that a little bit with Trez and Zoo because, you know, if if you're thinking big picture, you're playing the Sixers in the finals. I don't know if Trez could hang with Joel Embiid. If you're playing the the Nuggets in the playoffs, I don't know if he could hang with Nikola Jokic. Like there are some limitations to Trez, which is why he comes off the bench. And, um, you know, I know I've been kind of harping on this throughout kind of the preseason and season, but I think you've seen it now kind of materialize where playing a six foot seven center who's not a good rebounder and is at best an average defender is there's limitations to, to how good you can be with him out there. So I don't know how where, where you fall on that, but, it, you know, kind of, what's your take on that and what do you think the strategy should be with those two moving forward? Yeah, I mean, one, I think Trez is 
still playing a bit too high, too many minutes just to begin with. I mean, averaging around 31, but we've seen games where he's playing like 40 or something. And hopefully yeah. that'll come down with, with Paul George uh, coming back into the lineup and eventually this team being fully healthy. It's a good problem to have to start with, right? Like, okay, True. we have, you know, I don't necessarily agree. I think with Zubox's offense might be as good as Trez or, or maybe even better. Oh, no, no, no. So, sorry. I, what, I, what I was saying is like, if I think their strengths right now, like uh, Zubats' strength is defense and rebounding. Like, right. You, yeah. You know, the, and, and Trez's strength is his offense, you know, his, his scoring, his, his screening, his rolling. But I, I think their weaknesses are the other sides where I, I, was, I was just trying to say, like, I think Zubats' weakness, which is, I guess, his it's, offense, it's, might it be better than Trez's defense. Okay. Defense. Sorry, then I, I I'm I'm glad we cleared that up because I misunderstood that for a second. Because I was like, "Damn, Yoban, okay." Um, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Trez is obviously much better than Zoo D, but I guess, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I got you, I got you. We're on the, we're on the same page. So you know, but I think it's it's a f- situational thing. Now, one, you were commending Doc earlier for being able to bench Patrick Patterson. You know, I think that's something he's got to be able be willing to do in certain games. Going like, yo. Trez, like favors is destroying you. I got to play zoo a, a, a bit more, you know, and, and things like that. There's the one thing I think that's very, that's not really calculable between these two guys though, is there's a weird energy that Trez brings, right? That's like electric too. You know, when he gets going, it does lift up guys, you know, and like, you know, when he gets a dunk and he's going nuts and screaming and all that stuff, like it kind of galvanizes guys sometimes. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Zubac do anything more than maybe a fist bump. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I I get what I'm saying sounds silly, but it's it. it no, it's, that's it's, a, I mean, you're you're right. It, it's infectious, you know, and it kind of gets guys going. And when you have guys like Patrick Beverly who kind of feeds off that, you know, you're like he's like, oh man, yeah, now I'm about to pick up. You know, forget 94 feet. I'm going to pick this guy up 100 feet. You know, if he goes to the bathroom, I'm going with him. You know, like he's got Pat will, Pat will do that. Oh, a hundred percent. There's no question. Um, you know, and <laughs> I think that's all. I think there's kind of that sort of thing with Trez that Trez kind of brings an energy that can lift guys up that Zubach can't. And I and that's not a shot at Zoo. Not a lot of guys have this kind of energy that Trez has. He's and that kind of helps him and because he's so limited size wise i mean for me their weakness is the the center position you know just because you laid it out there you know Jokic is a big man um if they get to the finals and play philly that's that's a huge lineup across the board um you know with simmons and bead and horford right there that's brutal uh just looking in the west you know Lakers are playing big with AD and either Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee and getting production out of those guys. You look at Dallas with Kristaps Porzingis and, you know, he's still working his way back from a knee injury, but he's a big dude. And Dodge is saying exactly small. Like there's a yeah. lot of size around the NBA that's kind of a problem. And, you know, like Gobert is is another issue for for them. You know, it's it's all of those things matter. And I think that's also – why we're seeing Patrick Beverly rebound so hard, you know, when he's, I mean, and they miss that now that he's been out just cause like for a guard, he's, he, he's had a couple of games where he's had like eight or nine rebounds. Like it's been pretty impressive. I think so he's I, averaging just under seven, which is insane for a six is, foot one point guard. It's insane, but, and, but it's needed because yeah. of the way this, this roster is set up and, and that's fine, you know, but that's something that's really important. And it's won them games. You know, he's he's come up with some big offensive rebounds, you know, that's kind of either sealed wins or gave him another chance to get get back into it. I think all of that kind of plays into it. It's hard as a coach when you got to kind of justify which is which. And you know that, you know, if you take Trez out, I mean, Lou's going to cook, but he's going to – it's it's a little harder now, right, because he doesn't have his, his pick-and-roll partner, you know. And Zoo's good in the role. Zoo's gotten some good stuff, especially him and Kawhi has some good chemistry I've seen, you know, early in games on the pick-and-roll. But I'm not sure if there's that chemistry between Lou and, and Zoo because they're not usually on the court at the same time because you said it. Doc mirrors uh, his minutes – Williams' minutes with, with Trez, so it means Zoo's off. So – it's something that they got to monitor, but you're right. There's gonna there should be games where it's like, yo, know, we need Zoo's defense more than we need Trez's offense, and it might be easier 
when you have Kawhi and Paul out there to offset Trez's, you know, offense, like those guys are going to be able to make up for whatever Trez could bring you offensively. And that would allow zoo's defense to kind of be more important. So you're right. It's definitely something to monitor. I think to begin with Trez is playing too many minutes. And I think that's something to rectify. And it's hard, man, to go, you know, like midway or even a third of the third quarter and the whole fourth quarter. That's a long Mm -hmm. time. That's a lot of minutes right there. Consecutive minutes. We don't talk about too much, but it's, it's an, it can be an issue for guys. Like some guys just need a two minute blow to just kind of catch their breath and get going. And I think that's something doc should try to avoid too much on that. Well, it's funny too, because you look at the team load managing Kawhi and being so concerned with how many games he's playing, how many minutes he's playing. And there's an injury there. So like, you know, there's good reason to be that cautious, but then you look at the flip side and it's like, Lou was someone they cautiously, you know, kept his minutes down last season. He he averaged just under 27 minutes a game and he's already been around like 33 to start the season. So it's like, and and he's had a couple 40 minute games where you're like, yes, you got to protect Kawhi, but you also don't want to, you know, overextend Lou this early into the season and potentially have something flare up that now he has to deal with. Uh, And then same thing with Trez where, you know, Kawhi, they, they try to keep in these like, five to eight minute bursts of minutes and Trez is out there playing, you know, 16, 18, sometimes even right. 20 minutes straight. So like you, you got to find that balance, whatever that is, but you brought up a really good point that I've been thinking about. And it's been a case I've been making on Twitter that I actually think Paul being back and, and once Kawhi's back and, and they're fully healthy and in some type of you know consistent rhythm, I think those guys being together is actually going to allow Zoo to play more because now you're not as reliant on Trez. You're not, you don't need his offense as much. And, you know, you can kind of stagger those minutes a bit where he is out there with Lou and you kind of have your two units and and Zoo is the guy with Kawhi and PG. uh, And, you know, they're going to stagger those two a, a bit as well. But I just think Zoo's role could potentially grow when Trez's offense isn't as needed. And that's why, as we've discussed, like I think there's there will be games when you see Lou or Trez or, or both not closing games because the Clippers will need to prioritize, you know, if it's a really good offensive team, you gotta you, like that that was kind of a concern a, a little bit in the Houston game, I thought, where you're having Lou and Trez out there, they can't really stick with uh, you know, the, uh, some of the Rockets, and Harden. Yeah, yeah right, Capel yeah. and Harden or or some of the shooters and stuff like if you're forcing them into certain decisions, they can't really hang defensively. So I think there will be instances in which you maybe see Zoo like the starters, or or they go a little bit smaller, and you go like Landry and Pat as the guards with Kawhi, PG, and Zoo, or, or something like that. Where you're gonna have to find that balance a little more. And to be to be fair, because I, I feel like I always am more critical of Trez than like most people are. So I, I just wrote the guy should be. I think he's the sixth man of the year. I think he's been better than Lou. I think, you know, his numbers have gone up across the board for the fourth straight season. Like, he's my six-man pick. I think Trez has been great this season. I just think his limitations, which come on the defensive side, largely because of his size. I mean, I think if Trez was three inches bigger, he'd be an all-star. Like, he, or I mean, he'd, he'd be in that he'd conversation. Be, he'd be a max um, player, right? Yeah, like, like he'd, he'd be, be crazy if he, if he was you know, literally three inches bigger, which, I mean, you could add three inches to a lot of guys and they'd be better. But, like, Trez especially would go up a crazy level uh, just by growing a little bit. Um, so that being said, you know, I, I just think I've seen it where the Clippers have lost a couple of games, in my opinion, because of their defense, because of their lack of defensive rebounding. And those aren't Trez's strengths. And those are Zubats's. And Zubats comes with his own stuff where, you know, um, he, he tends to foul a lot. He is a little bit slow footed. So in certain matchups, it's going to be difficult for him to rotate and, and get out to shooters. And, um, you know, if, if he's guarding a shooter, it can be hard for him to, you know, get back to the paint and stuff like that. But I think overall, we've now seen it. His rim protection numbers are elite. The Clippers defense, you know, a defensive rating with him on the court is elite. And I think it's not, it doesn't have to be a, a huge fluctuation in minutes, but I think he should be playing a good, four to six minutes more. And just that little bit of a difference, I think really could help the Clippers defensively and on the glass. And they've already become a a good rebounding team, which, 
you know, like you said, Pat's a big part of that. Zubats has been a big part of that. Uh, guys like Mo and Kawhi, just being bigger on the wings has helped because uh, last season they were a really small team. So overall, like the rebounding is trending in a positive direction. The defense has been better throughout the season. I just think moving forward, this is something to kind of just, you know, keep an eye on because I think if Trez is playing 40 minutes against certain teams, like the Clippers are going to get killed on the glass. Um, you know, he, his, his energy is boundless, but it's not, you know, it, it, it can't make up for everything. It can't, exactly, it can't make up exactly. for the fact he's short and in, in that sense. And, you know, also him playing less minutes means he can go even harder in the minutes exactly. he's playing. And that's like, okay, I kind of want that too. So I think all of that goes into it. And, you know, you touched on Lou will also playing crazy minutes and that's kind of the reverse side of of load management at least early in the season for the Clippers was they were load managing Kawhi but putting a ton of extra burden on those other guys to play heavy minutes um I think a lot of those minutes where those guys played 40 so minutes Kawhi didn't play that game and that's that's kind of the unfairness and I think even Doc was prepared for that I think you've you've asked him this a few times you know kind of like the first 10 games this is something to expect while they were trying to get Paul back and, and with Kawhi resting. But that's a tough, tough burden to the point that it's like, man, I won't be shocked if down the road he's got to give Lou a night off for load management. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's hard, you know. Well, he, 33 he's, minutes talked about, he's talked about that, that, you know, that Lou and Pat are guys that are going to monitor and, and load manage. I think Pat right now is getting it, uh, although it, it does seem like, for him to miss a couple games, you got to think that you know he is nicked up. He, you know, Pat's right. not a guy to really just sit out. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine. I don't want to be the coach that has to tell him he's not playing <laughs> that night, even when he's hurt. I can imagine he's just like, "Nah, I'm playing, man. Nah, I'm playing." You know, as Doc likes to say, he's a Chicago kid, so that's kind of the thing. But like trying to tell Pat, uh, you know, you're going to be a healthy <laughs> scratch tonight. I could just imagine the. Uh, this is going to be nerdy, but I'm going to go for it anyways. From Star Wars, when. Uh, Adam Driver's character has a temper tantrum and starts chopping up stuff with his lightsaber. I could just yeah. imagine that being, <laughs> you know, stuff flying out of the room because he's <laughs> like, I ain't sitting. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, like, fine. But, you know, I could kind of just see it. And <laughs> that's Pat. So I think you're right. There's There's got to be something there if he's missing a couple games. Okay. So I, I know you got to go soon. Um, so let, let's do wrap up here with the, the last question. What, you know, so we, we've seen uh what uh nine games with Kawhi there's my math skills uh nine (laughs) games with Kawhi and two games with Paul we've seen them both play at their you know normal levels and and potentially look even better and some you know like let's not forget how good Kawhi was to start the season you know how he looked against the Lakers and um you know some of the, the the score like the the Spurs and the Blazers and like some of these crazy fourth quarter scoring outbursts he's had like you know, I think Kawhi should be in the top five, uh, you know, MVP conversation right now, and you know will likely stay in that mix. Uh, and Paul could join him with the way he started the season, but you know, with the way Kawhi plays, the way Paul plays, how do you see those two fitting now that we've kind of seen what they look like with the rest of the Clippers? And um, you know, it, do you have a sort of read on that or is it just going to have to be like, let's just see how it kind of plays out or, you know, cause it does seem like Kawhi has been more ball dominant, more ISOs, more post-ups, uh, you know, running pick and roll with, with zoo and Trez, whereas PG has been more, you know, docs talked about the Paul George package, which he's been waiting right. to debut. And it's a lot of pin downs, uh, you know, some pistol action, um, you, you know, you just got a lot more off ball movement, and him kind of manipulating screens and then reading his defender into getting open. So, you know, do you think that's like a seamless fit there where, you know, Kawhi's feeding Paul and they could maybe run some two man game and, you know, pick and roll for each other? Or how do you see those two fitting together? Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I don't think it's a seamless fit. Um, you know, Kawhi has been fairly ball dominant and that's been growing over the years. That's something that's been coming even in his San Antonio days, as much as we talk about the San Antonio system, he broke it off a lot to go ISO. Um, We obviously saw it in Toronto and it got them a championship. So ain't nobody going to complain about that. But the 
it's going to take some time because we've seen it with Paul now, right? Like Paul's cooking, but the ball's in his hands a lot too in these games. Yeah. You know, he's not playing off ball. So there's going to have to be some work there. I don't think, I think it's more likely we'll see Paul setting screens for Kawhi than the other way around. But I think there's going to be some of that action in the two man game. But I also think there's going to be times where Doc's going to stagger these guys, you know, and Kawhi's going to go to the bench and that's when we're going to get the Paul package. And then when Paul goes to the bench, Kawhi's going to come in. And then mixed in there the whole time is is the Lou and Trez show. And, you know, it's it's going to take a balancing act offensively for Doc to kind of figure that one out. It's not going to be seamless because it's like as good as Paul is, Paul can play off the ball and Paul can wait in the corner and and let, you know, Kawhi cook. And when there's an opportunity attack and, and I think we'll see stuff where Kawhi will go ISO, then kick it to Paul and Paul will attack the rotating defense. I like to refer to it as like second side action, but I don't think that fully utilizes Paul George's capabilities. And if he's doing that all the time, I think you're, you're minimizing what he, what he can bring to the team. So I think it's going to just take time. I it's, it's too early to call it, but I think it's not going to be seamless. Like their first couple of games back, I think it's it, the offense might look clunky at times and at times it might just flow and be amazing, but there's going to be that, that moments where they're trying to figure it out. I think the one thing I'd, think if you're doc the one thing you got to try to avoid is the your turn my turn thing which we've seen teams kind of deal with and i don't think that ever really kind of works out and, and is very inclusive of all five guys on the floor so um you know I, we're gonna have to talk about that next time whenever we get on a pod together and these guys are playing because <laughs> i'm not sure you know i need i need a little more time to see it but i think it's something that's going to take time well, hopefully that's before Christmas because uh, at this point, <laughs> uh, we, we thought they were going to make their debut together Saturday. But um, th- so they got four games uh, upcoming this week, tomorrow, or I guess today, if you're listening to this, uh, Monday against OKC, Wednesday, Boston, Friday, Houston, and Sunday, New Orleans. So also two opportunities to exact some revenge on uh, two teams that just beat them uh, in Houston and New Orleans. But Mo, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you on social media and where can they consume your work? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's Mo Dakil, uh, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L um, underscore NBA. Uh, and then you could, same thing with Instagram, but nobody really cares. Instagram's my, <laughs> my me just goofing off. Um, and you can consume my work. I, I write for Bleacher Report and um, on several different podcasts, Nerder She Wrote, on Thursdays on the back-to-back pod. Um, I host the Houston Rockets pod, Brody and the Beard with Kelly Eco. And generally, I'm just floating around. You can catch me on the Daily Ding, wherever. Just follow me on Twitter. I always tweet out my stuff. So we, we might have to collab on Friday then for, for that game. Oh, well, yeah, we that's going to be a it. big one. That's going to be count a big on one. It. I was going to hit you up with that one. <laughs> if, 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 if Kawhi is playing and Paul you know, should be playing too, uh, I think that that's going to be a really big game. So... Uh, we'll, we'll have to do something with that. But as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, I do not know what you're doing. I don't know why I just had an accident with that, but <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm still recovering from uh, from the, the road trip. Uh, I'm pr- I've been pretty tired the past couple of days. But um, as always, you know, subscribe, rate, review. I read every review. I appreciate it. And I'll be back a couple times this week to make up for only one podcast last week. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Going to have an all decade podcast and we'll most likely have some type of podcast recapping uh, some of the games this week. So expect that later in the week. But uh, thank you for listening and talk to you guys soon.